co-host, Brittany Martin. Jennifer Konikowski has been doing mostly rails since 2012, though is currently taking a detour and working in Go. She's based in Pittsburgh and her hobbies are running and lifting. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. I'm happy to be here. It is fantastic to have you. Jennifer, what is your developer origin story? Honestly, I got my degree in industrial engineering from Georgia Tech and my GPA was so-so. So I was just going around the college career fair trying to figure out anyone who would hire me and going to the shortest lines. And I ended up getting a job at Home Depot as an IT developer. And I taught myself Python at my second job. And then I was still in Atlanta. And I got into Ruby because I was like, Ruby seems close enough to Python. I should be able to fake it till I make it. And so I was applying to Ruby and Python jobs, got a Ruby job, and basically, for the most part, didn't look back. So I did Ruby for, I guess, about nine, 10 years. And I've been doing Go now for four months. I want to hear about that transition so much. So first of all, you're currently working at Splice. So can yeah. you explain what Splice is and you know what got you to jump to Go from Ruby? I'm so interested. Really quick, one of my previous jobs was at Stitch Fix, which the team I was on was doing both Ruby and Go. So we had microservices in both languages. So I had a little bit of experience with Go prior to this. And so my good friend, Laid McNish, had been at Splice for four years. She just recently moved on. So Splice is a music creation and collaboration platform. And our primary features are like a sample library and a subscription audio plugins. So generally we help music creators make music. That is incredibly cool. Yeah. And so Lane had been working at Splice and I was vaguely interested in moving on and she talked it up to me and I have no regrets. It's been a great place to work. We're super diverse workforce, which is something I've been looking for a long time. And everyone's just an absolute delight. That's fabulous. Now, how are the resources out there for learning Go? So you were at Stitch Fix. They had Go and Ruby. Did you just learn by looking at the code that was already written or how did, how did you onboard? Okay, <laughs> it is. One of the best things about Ruby is the community, is all the documentation that exists. And I mean, I also love Rails and how it just makes it easy to jump into any project because at a certain level, they're all sort of the same where things are. So I definitely miss that. It's a little bit more chaotic. In Go, you can architect your services. There are a lot of different choices you could potentially make for better or worse. It's also true of Ruby, but Rails obviously has more consistency if you're using the framework, which I found that most Rubyists tend to use also use Rails. Yeah, so I'm curious, Django for Python, Rails for Ruby, is there the de facto framework for <laughs> nope. Go? Oh, okay. At least not that I know of. I have not seen anyone... And at either company I've worked at with Go, I've not seen anyone use a framework. So that's why it feels a little bit more chaotic. Yeah, that truly sounds like the Wild West, but so cool that you're able to make that jump to and from because I've heard that Go is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly concurrent. You can handle a lot of traffic with it. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting. I'm glad to learn something new. I know one of the other jobs I was looking at was Rails, but their primary language was oddly enough Python. And I was just sort of like, there is not a huge benefit to me in becoming a Python expert when I already know Ruby so well versus I feel like there's a 
decent benefit to also knowing a language like Go, which I think has really radically different strengths than Ruby. Totally agreed. Now, as the listeners know, I am also based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it's very rare for me to actually interview someone who's in Pittsburgh. So I'm so curious, Jennifer, like what led you to Pittsburgh? My husband and I were in Boston and basically Boston is super stinking expensive. So we were ready to buy a house and I guess technically probably could have afforded a house, but it would have put us in a position where I just, I didn't feel comfortable. I wanted to have more of a buffer. And my husband's a lifelong fan of the Penguins, at least ever since the Whalers left Connecticut. And we had come here a few times for Penguins games. And we really love the city. And now we've been here for, geez, five years. And we absolutely love it. So were you actually early on in predicting that things were going to go remote? Did you just assume that you could move to Pittsburgh and locate a job locally? Or oh, well, how did that all work out? Our jobs. That's uh, my awesome. husband's still with the same company. I was working at Akamai at the time, which is weird because they... I think that this might have changed by now, but at the time they didn't often hire remote, but they were extremely supportive of people moving remote. Like they sent me a desk, a chair, a monitor, a printer, a shredder, a desk phone that I never plugged in because I'm like, no, I'm a millennial. I don't use the phone. And that was great. Unfortunately, my particular team was not the best at working remotely. So I ended up searching for a new job about six months after I left. But yeah, I've been remote basically since moving and I love it. I love it too. I totally agree with you. I was remote before the pandemic and then I was in person. So I worked at the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust in Pittsburgh downtown when the pandemic hit. And since then I've switched jobs and now I'm fully remote again and I absolutely love it. And I don't see a world where I would ever go back. I do feel bad for people who just started remote during the pandemic because I just want to say like, it's not usually like this. I think we're getting back to where it feels a bit normal. But even as someone who'd been remote for a long time, it was, and I don't even have kids also. So I can't even imagine if you're trying to basically like homeschool your kids while working full time. But even with those caveats, I still found it way more stressful at the beginning of the pandemic than I did before. So I swear it's better than it is right now. I totally agree. I think a lot of teams weren't prepared for it. And so now I feel like a lot of tooling has come out that makes it a lot easier. I feel a lot of companies have pivoted to actually reallocating their resources to making that experience like better. I feel sorry for the companies where remote was their competitive advantage because now it's everybody's competitive advantage. But, you know, it is what it is. Hey, there's still some companies that are trying to get you to go back to the office. There are. It's wild. (laughs) I don't know why, but you're right. That is totally happening. Yeah. Some people like it. So I hate commuting. Even in Pittsburgh, we don't even have that much traffic relative to everywhere else almost, but still miserable. Totally agreed. Well, this is the home gym episode part two. As I mentioned in episode 408, this was going to be a two-part series because I had tweeted out that I was interested in finding Rubyist programmers who really like to invest in their fitness. And I really just want to nerd out with people like that. So Jennifer very kindly responded in my tweet and said she would be happy to come on and just talk about fitness with me, which I am stoked to do. So first of all, Jennifer, what are your main things? What is your home gym setup? What brings you happiness in the fitness world? 
Oh boy. I feel like you're going to have to hold me back from like shouting out get swole at some point. Okay. I guess caveat that I only got into fitness in sort of like last year of high school and college. I was a impressively unathletic child, but I randomly signed up for the soccer team my senior year. And because of that, I had to start running and I used to hate running. I like couldn't breathe at all. I remember my gym t-shirt at one point after I'd finished the mile, like asked me if I was okay because my face was like white and red and splotchy and I looked like I was going to die. But things have changed. So I started running for soccer. Then I joined Frisbee and I kept running. And I eventually got to the point that I actually really enjoy running. So I swear it can happen for anyone out there who's just like, I hate running. It's the worst thing ever. I actually, it's the time I use to listen to podcasts. So at this point, I've been running for about 17 years and consistently training for half marathons since 2015. So that's sort of my primary thing is that I run. And I also started doing, again, I'm such a bro. I started doing CrossFit in 2008. And I've sort of done that off and on probably for a total of maybe like eight or nine years. And for anyone who's not familiar, there's a lot of lifting in CrossFit, both powerlifting and weightlifting. So I'm familiar with both of those, but I'm also getting older. So I'm leaning towards less CrossFit and more basic weightlifting, powerlifting and switching to that. Okay, so let's see. I feel like that's like my fitness origin story. So right now, one of the reasons that I've become really passionate about fitness is because I feel like we don't all have to do the same thing. There are so many different ways to move your body, but especially as developers, especially if you're sitting all day, like I have to stand or I have a treadmill under my desk. So I actually can't even sit because I don't have a chair here. But especially if you're sitting all day or even if you're standing, it really hurts your body to not move regularly. So it's like, even if it's just a walk around the block once a day, that's better than nothing. So you just want to find the thing that brings you joy to move your body. Playing a sport, I've done rec leagues before. Those are often really fun. If you can find the right one, less competitive. As I said, I was a really unathletic child. I was never very good at sports. So any rec league I've joined, I am still painfully bad at. But it's still fun to go out there, run around, potentially kick a ball around. I've done soccer and be with other adults who are also likely a bit out of shape. Totally agreed. This episode is brought to you by Hook Relay from our friends at Honey Badger. Do you integrate your apps with third parties like Stripe, GitHub, Slack, or Trello? If you want quality webhooks like Stripes, for example, there's more than just sending a JSON payload to your customer's URL and calling it a day, right? That's where Hook Relay comes in. Hook Relay is a service that makes sending and receiving webhooks reliable, secure, and transparent automatically. Users are amazed at the visibility they've gained into their webhooks. Without Hook Relay, you have no idea how many requests you're processing. With Hook Relay, you can watch your traffic, inspect each request, and much more. It's like x-ray vision. Of course, if your app or your integration partners are being flaky, You'll love the peace of mind that comes with knowing that no matter what happens, Hook Relay will make sure that your webhooks are delivered. Skip days of grunt work rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes, not days. Go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. 
the listeners know this, but, you know, before the pandemic, I was playing roller derby. And so it has been two years since I've played and I think I am officially retired. I am like you, Jennifer. I'm getting older. And knock on wood, I never broke a bone during roller derby, which is impressive for 40 years of, you know, someone who that is very, you know, was ejected from a game once for being too aggressive. (laughs) But that is my claim to fame for sure. Even better is the person who ejected me from the game was my sister, who was the head ref. So it's kind of a little bit worse. But what I'm actually going to be trying to do, and I actually just signed up for this, is I miss the team aspect of fitness. So I am pretty self-motivated. You know, I have a home gym. I like to run like you. And I also like to lift. I like to do CrossFit as well. But I just signed up for the Three Rivers Rowing Association. They have a like a six week starter boot camp on rowing. And the idea of like, I mean, this is the Three Rivers. It's the city of Three Rivers it kind of makes sense to maybe give rowing a try. So I'm going to try to do that because I think it would be good for cardio. It seems like a safer activity in these kind of days. And I like the idea of being on the boat. That being said, I am an engineering manager by day. I worry about being the person who's in front of the boat doing all the yelling because I do that during the day. So like, I very much want to be in a sport where someone tells me what to do and I can just turn my engine on and kind of zone out, like to your point about running. Yes, absolutely. So one thing I found has been really helpful at my home gym, I guess sort of going off on tangents. One thing that I've really enjoyed that I think is good for strength and endurance is I got an exercise bike. And in general, those are not very exciting. At least not exciting to me. I don't want to nag on anyone who loves cycling. Again, find your joy. But one of the things I've started love doing with my exercise bike is whenever I have like a town hall or all hands type meeting where I don't have to talk and really I don't have to be on camera either. I put it on the screen in front of my exercise bike and I just get on my bike for 45 minutes while I'm like, watching and listening to the meeting and I'll usually put like Zwift or something on my phone and go through a route and do the little speed trials that they have and change up my resistance based on a hill. And it's like, it's a nice way to get something else in where I would otherwise just be standing there silent during a meeting. So I also had a bike at home. I ended up giving it away to a friend who really just had hit a plateau on her fitness and just didn't know where to start. So I was like, hey, I'll give you this bike. I actually ended up replacing it with a rower, which I really like. Yeah. But I'm trying to figure out a way like I have so many one on ones just because right now I have 12 direct reports. And I'm like, how can I do a one on one while walking on a treadmill and take notes at the same time? I feel like that's going to be a very specific skill for me to grow out. (laughs) I think it's actually easier than you would think because I can type on my treadmill because you're going so slow. My usual walking pace is probably four miles an hour under and on my treadmill that I have here, I go maybe at like 1.5 max. I think I maxed out at two, but that was like a little much to also be typing. So you're going like at a much slower pace than you would normally be walking. And it's surprisingly easy to type. I don't know. For me, I think movement also helps me pay attention more than just staying still. So it helps you be more engaged. 
I love that because basically your body is occupied. And so really your mind is like just totally focused on what is in front of you. So I think that's great. Well, let's talk about like ambitions overall. You know, you said that you weren't a runner and then you've gotten into it. How do you stay motivated? Do you just sign up for races and then work your way up to them? Do you get your workouts done in the morning, the evening? Like when are you at your best? Yeah. One of the reasons I've loved both running and lifting is that they allow me to be competitive with myself in a way that isn't really possible with team sports. So for me with running, I'm always working on getting that faster time. And I know that's not going to happen in every race. And same with lifting, always working on getting a heavier weight for that lift. For example, with running, I have had a mediocre to poor training season this winter. I got sort of mild injury that I had to go to physical therapy for. And so I ended up doing a lot of cycling instead of running. And I also got a really nasty chest cold. And that took me out for a week that oddly enough was not COVID, which I feel like is really sort of nice. I'm like, finally getting sick again, normal (laughs) sick. So that actually took me out a lot. And I did the Disney Princess 10K and half marathon this weekend. I just got back into town yesterday. So I had a 10K and then a half back-to-back days. And I was initially like, oh, this is not going to go well. My training has been garbage. I haven't done a run longer than seven miles, maybe eight miles in five, six months almost. And it's like you take everything in context because given that my 10K was, I think, only like three minutes off my PR and my half was eight minutes off. Congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. I could have been like, man, I wasn't very fast. This stinks. But I was like, okay, given the training that I've done and really like how poorly it went due to all this stuff. When I finished that race, I was so pumped because I'm like, I have two months to get ready for the Pittsburgh half, which is sort of one of my primary races during the year that I really try to do well in. And I feel much more confident that I can potentially either get a PR or get at least get close to my time or close to my personal record time. Can I tell you that I plan on being completely fast and loose with the Pittsburgh Marathon? I did the Clearwater (laughs) full marathon in January, which was my first and likely last marathon. I was very regimented about my training program. And because I like to run anyway, I am waiting to see if I'm going to be available for the half. And once I know, which will probably be four weeks out, I'll decide if I'm going to show up or not, which is very unlike me. I am very much a type A, like must be so regimented, must know exactly what I'm going to do. But I kind of want to run the Pittsburgh Marathon just for the fun of it and just to finish because I can be- the marathon or the half? The half. You're right. Thank you for correcting me. Definitely the half. (laughs) Well, the thing about the Pittsburgh Marathon, which is so crazy, is that when you get to that halfway point and it separates between the marathon and the half, you're either going downhill for the half or you're going uphill for the full, which I think is incredibly cruel. And it's just a mental challenge in itself. So I give all the credit to people who do the full and the half. But like, my God, I think the cruelest thing is the relay because 
either you're like near the end of the half or even worse, you're near the end of the full and like you're like feeling good about yourself. You're like, yeah, I'm almost done. And then someone just sprints by you. Oh, totally. Just like, oh, defeated. I've done the relay before. I was the last leg. So I'm coming down East Liberty. I was that person. But the funniest thing is that they hand out beer. This is Pittsburgh. Of course they are. And I was like, oh, get that away from me. That is the last thing I want when I'm running is a beer. But some people that makes them happy to each their own. I could not at all. And so with time, I find this to be really personal as well. But I have to work out in the morning. So I usually get up around 4.15. So I start work at 8 generally and I'll get up at 4.15. I'll run and I'll go to the gym and lift weights. And then I'll get ready, eat breakfast, start work. And for me, like I'm sure people listening to this might be, that's absolutely absurd. Why would you do that? But I find that once I end my day... (laughs) I don't want to do anything. Occasionally, I have forced myself to go for a run after work because either I was too tired or like it was too cold, like the weather was bad and I had to wait. And I'm just always so miserable because I just want to be done. I just want to zone out, watch something silly on TV and eat my dinner and then go to sleep. I couldn't agree more. And sometimes I have tried to structure my days so that I could take a lunch break and do a workout then. Those are always my worst. Yeah, that never happens. And they're also my worst workouts because I'm completely distracted. You know, I'm getting pinged on my phone, even though I've shut off my notifications, but somehow they're slipping through and it's just not the same. I really do enjoy getting it done early. It does mean I have to go to bed very early, but you know what? Such is life. This episode is also brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers find and fix performance issues. Scout's intuitive UI and tracing logic ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code and allows you to quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's unlimited seats and applications allow teams to collaborate without additional costs and makes it easy for any member of your team to become a performance pro. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash rubyonrails. I know a lot of people who really, really love working out in the evening. Again, to my point of like, find something you love. Also do it at a time that works for you. Especially if you're working remotely, the odds are you can move your schedule. Like if noon is a great time to work out, well, depending on who you work with, noon might be tough, but like block out noon, go work out, be like, this is my workout time. I'm going to go and just put it on your calendar make it work. I think there are sometimes jobs that are just honestly pretty awful and will not allow you that flexibility. And if you have one of those, I'm sorry. In that case, don't do that and find a time that works with your job schedule. But honestly, most jobs are more flexible than people think. I think a lot of people, especially people who are newer to working remotely, think that they have to be on their computer all the time or else they're failing. 
And I just think maybe all all were like way more productive than I was in an office. But I'm like, I wasted so much time when I was in an office. I would spend like an hour talking to one of my coworkers about video games go over to the water cooler for a bit, chat about who knows what all the time, like go for walks with my coworker at noon. We used to go for walks and I was perfectly fine. Part of the workday. I agree. I mean, how much time did I waste? So much time going to the gym, coming back from the gym. I was a fitness instructor, so I used to even teach during the day when I was in the office, which is wild to me. But now I'm at home and I'm like cooking my lunches, but I can like bang that out in like 10 minutes. I don't go to coffee shops anymore. I totally agree with you. Like I have everything that I need at home. And to your point, take the time to do the thing that makes you better because there are times where I'm talking to a coworker and I'm like amped up about something. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should step away and like take that walk around the block or maybe just do like a quick 10 minute yoga class just to like stretch out and like level myself out. You should take that time because your work's going to benefit for it. Yeah. And I wanted to circle back to equipment as well. So now I'm sort of back to a a normal gym. But one of the things I did during the pandemic was I managed to get some adjustable dumbbells. And I have the, I think it's Joybird, which were really inexpensive. And they go up to 25 pounds, which is generally fine for me. I would highly recommend doing that. One of my other friends has power blocks, which are much bigger. And he loves them. So I would also recommend those. And like, I've got those, a kettlebell and getting like a yoga mat. (laughs) Yoga mat is always good. I've taken a lot of this time to do more stretching. One of my friends recently made a joke about how like runners are always told that they should do more yoga. And they're like, "Mm, no, sure. That would, no, I'm going to pass. Well, I actually have been trying to do more yoga, still probably only like once a week, but you know, better than nothing. And you really don't need that much equipment really to get results. I mean, if you have the space to have like a full squat rack, I'm really jealous, but you don't need it. I totally agree with you. And if I hadn't done yoga during my full marathon training, I think I would have gone into that marathon a lot stiffer than I was. And I agree. It might be only once a week at this point. I actually plan on doing some tonight. It doesn't bring me a ton of joy. I'm very jealous of the people who are just like super into hot yoga and like that's their jam and they can balance on their head and they can do crow. Like I love people like that. I am not that person, but I still think it's incredibly important to make sure that you're stretching before and after you work out. And if you can get yoga in there, even better. I agree. How about data? Are there certain apps that you absolutely swear by? Are there any programs that, you know, help motivate you? Like what's currently in your arsenal? Oh my God. I feel like like everyone else, I joined the Peloton app. My exercise bike is not a Peloton and I have friends who swear by the Peloton bike, but at the same time, part of me would recommend not getting a Peloton bike because the nice thing is I can use the Peloton app and I can also use Zwift. I can also use whatever the heck I want. But I love, love, love the Peloton. I love their yoga classes, their stretching, and they have amazing strength classes. So I've been doing, even though I've gone back to the gym, I've been doing like a one of their like five to 10 minute core workouts almost every day. 
and it has really helped because sometimes like you don't think about how much you use your core for, but it's like you use it in running. I know after a really long run, oftentimes like my core will be sore. And if you're lifting, anyone teaching you lifts is like constantly going to be telling you to like brace your core. So like everyone else, I really recommend Peloton. They have really great classes and I really like it. I'm also a big Strava person and my coach right now also has me using training peaks, which is pretty good. And if you want a lot of data, I think training peaks is a little bit better than Strava. Strava is more, I feel like more social. Oh, and for weightlifting, I don't know if it's on both, but I love strong for iOS. It makes it really easy to track your lifts. And like I use it this morning, it's got a dead simple UI and I can easily go into any lift and like look at what it estimates my one rep max to be because I haven't tested that in a long time for a lot of my lifts. And I can go in and calculate like what I should be doing for that day. Like I want to do 50% or 80% at whatever. So it's got pretty graphs. You can add other exercises if it's not already in there, but they have most basic lifts. These are great recommendations and I'm going to link them all up in the show notes. I mentioned to the listeners before, I also love the Peloton app. I have a non-Peloton treadmill. I had a non-Peloton bike, but the strength classes are huge. And you're right. You know, I just finished up the Crusher Core 2 program Yeah, uh, last great. night. So good, right? And I did the CrossFit Open last week, 22.1, involved wall walks. And I'm going up the wall and I'm like, these seem a little bit easier. And I'm like, you know what? It's Crusher Core 2. So I will take it. <laughs> Yeah. Everything is core related, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I also have a treadmill. One thing with treadmills is I feel like every time I hear someone asking about treadmills, they're always like, yeah, and I want to spend like less than $800. And I'm sort of like, oh, treadmills are expensive. They're expensive and they're a piece of hardware that is worth investing into. I feel the same yes. way about rowers, especially because of the resale value nowadays. Like it's worth investing into it. And one thing with rowers, I don't know if you've seen this, you you probably maybe have, but I don't know if everyone has, but Concept2, and you do not need to have a Concept2 rower to use this, Concept2 has workouts of the day on their Mm -hmm. website. Because it's made for Concept2, they'll tell you exactly what buttons to push to set it up on a Concept2, but you can do them on any rower and you can even get them emailed to you. So if you've got a rower or have access to a rower and need someone to tell you what to do, get those emails and just do those every day. They have like three different ones, a short one, a medium one, and a long one. I totally do them. You were so right. That is a good tip. And I'll definitely link that up as well. So Jennifer, as we start to wrap up, I ask everybody this, and even though you're working in Go at the moment, you are still very much in the community. So what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? Honestly, I still feel really positive about the community. Like, I feel like for years, people have been saying like, there are no jobs in Ruby. I'm pretty sure like anyone who does Rails professionally has heard this multiple times. And it's like, we all know that's not true. (laughs) There are so many people still hiring. I feel like the community is still so supportive. One of the things I miss actually about moving to Pittsburgh from Boston is Boston obviously had a much, much larger dev scene. And so 
there's not just like a Ruby community that I can join. So I miss that like in-person local aspect of it. But I feel like the Ruby community is still strong. Probably my big thing is I feel like we need as a community, and I've written about this before, we as a community need to do even more to support people going from initially learning Ruby to getting their first dev job. Boot camps should not be the only option. The community should be there to help people and mentor. So if you're a senior engineer, you know, try to be a part of your local community, be a part of online communities and help mentor these junior engineers who are coming in. You shouldn't be forced to spend thousands on a boot camp to get a dev job if you didn't get a CS degree. I agree with you. How can listeners follow you? I'm always hesitant to recommend my Twitter account, but if you want the some random hot takes, also I'm not a huge fan of crypto. I'm at a uh, Jen Connie, so it's J E N K O N I on Twitter, and my blog and website is jmkoni.com. And I usually write up recaps of my races. I have a code blog and a fitness blog. So. Oh, that's so cool! I love that you do that. It's also the easiest way for me to figure out my time. So I list all my race times. That's fantastic. Well, (laughs) mostly just for me. Hey, who cares? If it's for you, then that's for you. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show today and, you know, telling me your get swole tips. So thank you for sharing all your recommendations. The show notes are definitely going to have a long list for the listeners. And hopefully we'll get to meet in person at some point. Maybe I'll see you at the uh, starting line at the Pittsburgh Marathon. Definitely. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.